Welcome into a football show. My name is Zach Lyons. I'm not your usual host. It's usually Braden Gall, but he is being lazy out on the beach, and deservedly so. He's been working hard this last year. He's with his family. So I'm joined today by Corey Curtis. You can follow him on Twitter at Corey Curtis too. You can follow me on Twitter at FWordsPod. And we're going to get into it in here in just a second. Just a few housekeeping things we have to talk about. And first, that's to talk about our lovely, lovely sponsors. They're all locally owned businesses because we are a locally owned business. And that is, we're going to start off with talking about the, with two convenient locations in East Nashville and Fifth and Broadway, Pharmacy Burger, Parlor, and Beer Garners, your place to go to get the best cheeseburger in Nashville. And I'm telling you, is the best place to go get a cheeseburger because you also get some of the best beer choices and widest beer selections in Nashville. I personally like the stroganoff burger where it's just a juicy, meaty burger with mushroom stroganoff bechamel, sour cream, Swiss cheese, caramelized onions. And no matter which burger I get, which burger I'm in the mood for, I always add some country ham to it. So that's a little hack for you guys at home, a little life hack. Always get the country ham, no matter what the burger is. Get that, tater tots, let's roll. So head over to that locally owned burger parlor, the pharmacy in East Nashville, Fifth and Broadway today. If you're looking to build your dream or remodel your existing home, you have to hit up our people at the Kingston Group in an industry full of contractors who focus solely on getting the work done and getting on to the next job. The Kingston Group actually focuses on you and the quality of its work and the client experience. It's established process and commitment to a consistent product time and time again is bar none the best thing about them. So head over to buildkg.com, schedule your free consultation, and tell them that 440 Sports sent you. I, I meant to do, don't know free if it's free or not, so let's let's scratch that if you're watching this. I cannot guarantee it's free. I, I forgot to go back and listen to an episode to make sure on that, so we don't know about that. And finally, Weiss Liquors is your go-to for all your tailgating and home gating needs. That's right, home gating. Located in East Nashville, West Weiss Liquors is minutes away from Nissan Stadium, so stop on by on game days and stock up with what you need. And if you're not tailgating, then try home gating. That's right. Do a tailgate inside your home for the games and log on to Uber Eats and select Weiss Liquors and order all the alcohol your heart desires. Weiss Liquors and Uber Eats, they drive so you can drink. And, of course, this is part of the BroadwaySportsMedia.com 440 Sports Podcast Network of bunch of media stuff you can go listen to, videos, you got podcasts, hockey season's upon us, so gold standards readily available. There's going to be, we're in the midst of soccer playoffs. There's all kinds of stuff here at 440 Sports and BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Whew! After all of that, I can finally get to actually talking to Corey. Corey, how are you doing today? I'm good, and I'm excited to know that we have a new official name for day drinking. It's called- you, you like that? Yeah. I think I feel like home gating lets it lets you get off a little bit easier. It, yeah, you know, it's like you've got a real family. purpose other than yeah. you just need a drink. Yeah, I, I saw a uh, article talking about home gating. I'm thinking, oh, that's 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 really ingenious. I'm gonna start using that uh, when I start talking to people. Uh, so I'm of course joined by Corey Curtis uh, of famed football and other f words guest appearances. Uh, <laughs> He he is the people love you and at, rightfully so. And I think one of they the need to watch channel why, two then. Yeah, they gotta get on and watch news channel two. When can they watch you on this news channel two? Uh yeah, you know, Sports Extra is Sunday nights at 10 30. TN Nation, we preview the Titans every week, Saturday night after news two at 10, and then six at ten, uh, Monday through Thursday as well. Well, I think one of the things that they like most about you is the fact that 
you're not afraid to really go hard at the Colts. So I want to do a little bit of Colts slander <laughs> before we get started. I, I don't know if you've kept up with Stephen Holder over the last few weeks, but Stephen Holder, who now covers the Colts, yeah. or covers the NFL for ESPN, but used to cover the Colts, fans started getting mad at him and Zach Kiefer, media, members of the media, for basically hyping up this really bad Colts team. And mm. and Holder said, look, it's just our job to report. You're not supposed to take what we say, you know, to heart. It's something similar to that. What are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like they're the people on the ground. So if they're hyping up and seeing stuff that they are isn't necessarily maybe not true, shouldn't they take a little bit of responsibility that they pumped up this team for fans? Yeah, because they were wrong. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you, your job is to report facts or, or and then observations, and you know, and you know, even we've caught some flack here for some observations that we had where we thought things looked good in training camp and in the summer, and they didn't haven't really necessarily panned out. Um, you know, you, you see what you see, but you know, they've been pumping up this Colts team for years, and they've been acting like having five quarterbacks in five years isn't a big deal and it's a huge deal. And so, you know, it, it's part of what goes with the national media's narrative that how great this Colts team and organization is because who are they talking to? They're talking to the Colts beat writers. It's some of the first people that they're talking to and they're telling them everything is great. Everything is wonderful with this football team. We love Frank Reich. We love Chris Ballard. We love Matt Ryan. We love, we love, we love, we love. And look, there's a lot of good pieces to this Colts team that, you know, it's the NFL. It's just like I talked about last week with Washington. Washington's got a lot of really good players. They may stink, but they've got a lot of really good players. The Colts have got a lot of really good players, but they stink. And, uh, you know, we all said here that they were overhyped coming into the season, and we are finding that to be absolutely true. And where the Titans' concerns were for us in the preseason, because we all brought them up, are exactly what they are right now. Offensive line and wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, that is one of the things that everybody had talked about was the offensive line here mm -hmm. and how basically the offense is going to live and die by the offensive line. And there was no depth. That was the yeah. concern. There was no, no depth. depth. Yeah. I, I, have to, I have to ask you about this quote, and I don't know if you saw this, but Jordan Schultz reported this uh, okay. back uh, last week. And it's, it's about Michael Pittman Jr., and this is per an anonymous GM, which I'm convinced that it's uh, it's Chris Ballard. But <laughs> of of Michael Pittman, he says he reminds me a lot of him, just the way he's able to separate at the line and also at the top of his routes, his size too. Going to be one of the best for a long time. An NFL GM comparing Michael Pittman Jr. to Larry Fitzgerald. I thought that was the most outrageous thing I have seen to come out about the Colts in a long time. Yeah, I mean, look, I like Michael Pittman. Right, uh, I do. Um, but you know, even when you went up the fantasy boards, like when I saw where Michael Pittman was ranked on the fantasy boards, I was like, "Are we looking at the same guy?" I mean, because like they had him up there ahead of like AJ Brown and some of these other guys, and I'm like, "That's just that." I mean, that's crazy. I mean, because he's good. Um, if he's your one, you better have a really good two. I think he's a really good two right now. Um, but to compare him to a Hall of Famer, um, and that's what we like to do. So I, I guess I can't. But he's, you know, he's big and he's strong and he's physical. But he, he's got a long way to go to get to get there. Now, he's also, 
going through quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Um, but it's like I say, I, I think I told you this both times I did with the show with you. Everyone with the Colts gets a grade that's like 1.3 times what the actual value is. So if Michael Pittman is a 7, he's now a 9.1 because he gets 1.3 times what he actually is. I like it. I like it. I, I know our listeners are going to enjoy that segment, so I had to throw that in there at the last second. But we got to talk about the Tennessee Titans because this yep. team is heading into a much-needed bye week, specifically due to injuries. And there's a, still a lot of questions. You brought up wide receiver, offensive line, giving up explosive plays on the defense. Mm -hmm. What can realistically be fixed and what needs to change mm -hmm. heading into the bye week, in your opinion? Yeah, no, I think that's what we're all rolling through our head is, you know, what, what can get fixed um, and what can, what can actually really improve without bringing in new players? Cause, cause that's what, that's what we're looking at here. Um, I, I think you get Traylon Burks healthy and, and out there and rolling. I think you get Chiga Conquo more in integrated in the passing game. Cause I mean, he's an athlete. I mean, we've seen enough of him at this point in the little splashes we've seen to know he's an athlete out there. And I think he has to be more integrated into their offensive attack. And then they got to get Kyle Phillips healthy. And you hope this bye week is the answer. I, I think of the units that we're talking about, that's the unit that I think can kind of improve and take care of itself the most. That doesn't mean I don't think they should go after DJ Moore. I think if the price is right and you could get a guy like that, you know, you instantly improve your football team. Um, but does that mean I'm willing to give up three first round picks? No. I mean, I don't know what the asking price is, but, but sure. Uh, the offensive line's a bigger concern because left tackles don't grow on trees. Right. The Titans don't have one right now. No one was harder on Keith Carter than I was when the Titans hired him. Uh, I looked at his resume and I went, you're replacing Russ Grimm. And this guy was coaching running backs for the Atlanta Falcons. And I, and I didn't understand it. He's a good football coach. I was wrong. Okay. I was dead wrong. And so every year we've gone through this with the offensive line where we have concerns with the offensive line and Keith Carter gets them playing better and better and better as the year goes along. So I think he can improve that unit, but I just don't know if what they have is going to be good enough. I mean, you get Nate Davis back, you know, I, I think they'll be fine. I just left tackle is a concern. I mean, De Dennis Daly, I, I think he's a guard. I, I just don't think he moves well enough to be that left tackle. That's why last week when I looked at it, I'm like, should they put Dylan Raidens at left tackle and move Daly in to play right guard? Would that have been a better setup for oh, them? Oh, man. You're the first person I hear, heard say that, and that actually makes a lot of sense. It's like light bulb off in the head right now, thinking that, first off, Dennis Daly probably doesn't need to be on the field in the tackle spot, like you said. Yeah. But obviously, we we talked about it on this show, uh, me and Braden have, that Dylan Raiden's, even possibly with Lawan healthy, was still probably one of the five best offensive linemen if you'd put Dylan Radins in at the left guard spot over Brewer. That's what I personally, uh, that's what we have thought because we just didn't think that while Brewer can do some great stuff in the screen game and the run game, this is a passing league and ultimately people are people's goal across the way from you, the defensive goal is to take away Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. If they take away Derrick Henry, you're going to have to pass and he's a, a minus in the pass game. Not saying Dylan Radins is some big plus or anything, but 
out of the if you're have putting the five best, you would think it would have been at the beginning, Lawan, Raidens, Ben Jones, Nate Davis, NPF. And now your Lawan's gone. And now I'm thinking, okay, well, I think Dylan Raidens needs to be in that left tackle spot. And I think this is the perfect time to make that switch. It'll be interesting to see what they do if they take a look at that because it, it is, I don't want to say his natural position, but that's what he played. And that's what's open. And, you know, they didn't even, I, and I know they just switched him to guard. And, you know, you're, you're yanking a guy all over the place. Um, but, I mean, that was, that was tough to watch. Yeah. I mean, and I felt bad for Daly. I did because I felt like he was put, you know, you always want to put your players in a position to succeed. And him one on one with Montez Sweat was a tough day. Um, and they, you know, they did help him out from time to time, but he needed help pretty much every time because he just he didn't have the footwork and the punch to get out there you know with him most of the time and so you know without making changes it's going to be interesting to see if that group is good enough and then you know cornerback is a whole other situation because you know we, we could talk about Caleb Farley till the till the cows come home you got to get back Elijah Molden and and I and I've talked about this since it happened I still think the retirement of Buster Screen hurt this team mm-hmm. cuz he was a guy they could bring out there and and trust I mean trust is always the word you could trust you could trust he wasn't going to be running 8 yards behind a guy going for a 75 yard touchdown all right and so I don't know how much we see of Caleb Farley the rest of the way cuz I mean I think the trust there has to largely be broken he's been beaten deep too many times. I mean, can you trust to put him out there? I mean, are there certain situations you can trust to put him out there? Maybe, but I don't know that you can just, I mean, this was Deami Brown who beat him. Okay. This wasn't Terry McLaurin. I, I never heard of Deami Brown before Sunday. All right. And so maybe I'm an idiot for that, but you know, he shouldn't be beating a guy who was projected top 10 pick in the draft. And, and he did. Um, so, that that's a bigger issue. I think if you get Elijah Molden back, it could help solve a lot of that. Because listen, I, look, Fulton and McCreary and and Roger McCreary, I think are great. All right, it's just the third one that they're trying to work out, and you, you just you can't. Their defense is too good to give away freebies. All right, and if you can cut out the freebies, you're going to be in position to win every game. They got to find the guy um, who who doesn't give them away because Terrence Mitchell and Caleb Farley have both been that guy so far. Yeah, I, I I struggled to find a reason why Caleb Farley needs any more defensive snaps at this point. If if it's it's you're to the point of the season when you're coming back, you're in week seven, right? So you're almost you're like two games away from being halfway through the season, and you're about to go up against you know the Chiefs and Packers. these other these Packers, these other explosive offenses with downfield threats. You. You just I, – I know that maybe there's like a juxtaposition of, on one hand, Caleb Farley needs reps, possibly. On the other hand, you can't afford to give him reps right now. And at this point, that's the one that you got to worry about because you cannot afford to put Caleb Farley out here with these games, with a tight AFC, because you want the breathing room, right? You want the home field advantage in the playoffs. And to get all that, you can't give up explosive plays, and that's what he does. It's unfortunate, you know – is there a way that he could be salvaged? Maybe, but I don't think he's anything more than your fourth or fifth cornerback option for his career right now. Maybe it is the ACL. Maybe he needs a full year. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But that's all projections that you but that can't really. Help right now. 
Yeah, exactly. It doesn't help yeah. now. The only thing that maybe could help is that you put him in at safety. But again, mm-hmm. are you taking him and putting him on the field and taking a money hooker, Kevin Byard off? Hell no. No. It, well, that, there's just was, no place for him. You know, that was my next thought is, is he a safety long term? Because that, that might be the better spot yeah. for him. He's long. You know, you could probably put another five, 10 pounds on him really easily. Um, you know, but can his body hold up to that? We have to wait and see on that. You know, this this whole conversation about Caleb Farley reminds me of the great George Bush moment when he said, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me, fool me twice. Well, you shouldn't get fooled again. Yeah, we, we've been fooled a few times. You know, the Titans gave him a shot and then he, he worked his way back out of the field and it, and it happened again. I mean, because really you take away that 75-yard touchdown and – Titans are in control of that game pretty much the entire way um, defensively. And so, you know, you, you, you just, you, this, like I said, the defense is too good to give away any more freebies. And I don't know how he convinces them that he is trustworthy um, as you talked about for the second half of the season. Yeah. I, I just don't, I don't see it happening. Maybe there's some kind of, light switch that turns on because the only way he should be seeing the field is knock on wood. Let's hope there's no injuries, but it would have to be injuries. And at that point, I don't know if they don't try to go sign someone off a practice squad to avoid putting Caleb Farley out there. Like they've already done, you know, it kind of reminds me of Elijah Molden last year, except for the difference between Elijah Molden and Caleb Farley is that Elijah Molden. We all knew was technically sound. He made plays too, and he made plays. Yeah. Even though that he got burned by Christian Kirk and burned by a few other, uh, you know, pl- uh, uh, wide receivers, yeah. we we knew that that guy was a pro. The problem is, yeah. is that we and you you replied on on to this tweet that I had was that Caleb Farley was all about athleticism. Now he doesn't even look like he has that. Where does he hang his hat on? You said he's going to hang it on the bench, and I agree. Well, he's that's where he went. He went bench. right to the bench. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he was done for the day. I mean, did he play after that? No, no one seems to know, but everybody seems to agree he didn't play after yeah, that. Well, because you would have you would have seen him getting beat again. Yeah, I mean, yeah, more than likely. I, I think Terrence Mitchell came on pretty much the rest of the way because I remember Mitchell being in coverage um, on on a couple of those catches on that last drive by Curtis Samuel um, yeah. going to the sideline. So, and look, Terrence Mitchell's played. I mean, you know, and, and when he had a rough day against the Raiders, he'd been on the team for three days. Um, so you, you can excuse that more than Caleb Farley, who's been with you. You know, the exciting thing about Caleb Farley was he got through the whole summer without getting hurt. Right. And, and you're like, okay, he's practicing, he's practicing, he's practicing. And, you know, we, we talk about maybe it's the knee, maybe it's the inexperience at the position. Maybe it's like we talk about with Traylon Burks, that he needs that game where the numbers come and the light goes on and says, I'm a dominant player in this league. Maybe he needs, you know, one or all of those things. I don't know. All I know is this, they have 12 games to go and they can't afford to give any of them away. Yes, that that's right. And, and I think a part of that is because the, the lack of the, you know, experience, they they have a lot of explosive plays happening, but a lot of them are now shifting from the pass game into the run game. Mm. And like we talked, one of the changes that we need to see is something with this offensive line. And, you know, I said it on football and other on this past Tuesday that quite possibly the trade for Dennis Daly for a fifth round pick is probably one of the worst trades of uh, that J Rob has ever made. If not the worst, just because, 
it, the, it's a such a long shot that a, a player like him who has extensive starting experience mm. changes. And and so there's not really, like you said, there's not really anything you can do. You got Dylan Radins, you got LaRaven Clark. That's about your only options at the left tackle spot. None of them were that sexy, but it, it's it's wild. But I want to move to Austin Hooper. Oh, the ten million dollar man. I thought he was six. It was he six. I thought he was a nine million dollar. Uh, I think he's. Guy. I think he's six. I think he was a he is a bargain at six million. But uh, I, I could be wrong. He, if, if you still think that he's a bargain, no matter what he his contract is. Um, you know it's tough because I I never thought he was a match for this football team. You know, in the style of player that he is. You know, he's not a physical football player. He's He's a Pac-10 guy, right? A Pac-12 guy. You know, he's he's a he's a receiving tight end, and he's never been known as a blocker. He's still not known as a blocker, which on this team really has to be one of the priorities at that position. But after last year, where Ferkser really fell on his face, you needed somebody who could go out and catch the football. Well, now he can't even get on the field. I mean, how many snaps did he have in that game? I, I don't, I mean, the week before it was like 12. I mean, it was, it was, or 20. It was, it was not much. Um, and if he was making plays, if he was doing it in practice, he would be on the field, but they don't trust him, a trust word, um, to do the things that they need him to do, especially in a game where you're going to have to keep guys in to help Dennis Daly and Petit Frere in. He was not a good match for that football game because you're you're never going to keep Austin Hooper in to pass protect against Montez Sweat. Okay, that's just that's not going to happen. So that's a mismatch for you in that football game, and that's you know what we got to look at moving forward, where you're going to have to help your offensive line the rest of the way. Does that leave enough snaps for him? Because it's going to be limited because of his limited ability to pass protect. It's it's insane that and because at every stop he's been, he's been a relatively good blocker and maybe you know not like you know George Kittle out here you know pancaking people all the way to the ground but he's been relatively better than what he has been here so I don't know why he's been better than what he's been here but the pass catching's the issue yeah is that he cannot stay up. I don't understand while every catch he's he's already on the ground. It's just yeah. it's kind of it's kind of crazy to see that he's well, not getting open, he's not getting any separation, not getting any targets after it, and we know why Chig's not. He's trying to work his way into that trust mode, even though that Tannehill trusts yeah. Chig. This I don't understand what's gone on inside Austin Hooper's head that he's not putting one two and two together when he's a veteran, if he is a yeah. rookie or maybe a first or second year player, maybe I can understand it switching team, but this should be a relatively similar scheme to what you saw over in, uh, and we're asked to do over in Cleveland and Atlanta. And I don't understand where well, the disconnect is. It didn't work for him in Cleveland. I mean, that's, that's why he's here. Cause it didn't work for him in Cleveland. Now in, in Atlanta, he caught a ton of balls. Um, but you know, the word I got from Atlanta was not necessarily the toughest player out there. Okay. And, and a guy, you know, a, a thinker um, and needed to be a little bit grittier 
Okay, which which is why I say I don't know that he's a fit for this team. And by the way, I looked it up at six million dollars. It is, yes, yeah. Um, and so I think for six million dollars, it was worth the gamble that you could find the guy in Atlanta who caught like eighty passes. Uh, and that you know, and we saw him in camp. And when you're playing seven on seven, Austin Hooper's a good match, right? But this isn't seven on seven; it's eleven on eleven. And you know, he hasn't shown them what he needs to show them to be on the field more. You know. We can go down the Jeff Swain alley all over again if we want. But the simple fact is they trust Jeff Swain more to do the things they need that position to do than they trust Austin Hooper right now. Um, We've got TN Nation coming up this Saturday, and one of our segments I've got on is Austin Hooper versus Chigakonkwo. And one of those two guys is going to step forward these last two two games, 12 games, to become a bigger part of this offense. And which one is it going to be? I, I would put my money on Chick because it seems like right. he's he's got everything you're looking for. He's got the you know desire to learn to improve he's got the, already got the explosive athleticism mm-hmm. and when he's w- in the limited role he's able to play he's seen a large target share go his way for the amount of the routes he's actually running cuz he's getting like two or three targets on like five or six routes that he actually runs yeah he doesn't drop the ball either he's right. caught the football which has been great to see as well and it looked like he actually did get that knee down uh in Washington for a touchdown i don't know if the the review would have reversed it um, or not, uh, you know, it's just, you know, do they self scout in this bye week and say, okay, this is, this is where he's helping us. We, we need to do more of this to get him on the field more, or we need, we're at a point where we can start to ask him to do more. I just think his athletic ability, his toughness, his willingness to stick his nose in there are, are too good to keep him on the sideline for this team. That that's just my take. Yeah, I agree. You know, I'd like to see him, obviously Kyle Phillips, get healthy. Elijah Molden get healthy. Racy McMath get healthy. I know we haven't seen what Racy McMath is in the regular season, but just having a guy that can go all the way down the field and get a lot of separation. That's what we all thought in the preseason. that He'd be be the guy to go 15 snaps a game and run a go route. And we haven't been able to see it one time. And by the way, Kyle Phillips. I mean, if I was his mom, I would just be like, dude, you got to retire because I can't watch you get blown up anymore. I mean, every time he catches the ball, it is just like a bomb going off. He just gets blown up. And, you know, God bless him for being willing to take the hits. But you talk about Austin Hooper going down. Kyle needs to catch the ball and hit the deck. Yeah, they, they are coming for him. Yeah, I don't understand why everybody hates uh, Kyle Phillips on these defenses that they're facing. <laughs> they, but they, yeah, they, they, he must talk a lot of shit. Oh, yeah. He must take a lot of shit. He must talk a lot of shit at the line or something. Like it's it's ridiculous. I, I've never seen a guy uh, since I guess Adam Humphreys get hit at like immediately yeah. on impact as much as he does. He I mean, I feel he was so little bad too. He yeah. was little too. But whoever the color announcer was Sunday, I forgot. He brought that up too. He was like, he's like, this guy just takes the worst hits. Yeah, it's it's been yeah. awful. So Ryan Tannehill, I I still don't think he while he's been better than he was last year. Yes, he has. And while I also think that he's the least of the Titans' worries on offense, or one of the least of the Titans' worries. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. but he he kind of created his own disaster last week, and it kind of rem- a game on Sunday versus the Commanders reminded me a lot of the bad games that we saw in 2021. He held onto the ball too long. He made dis- he made some poor decisions. 
and and it seemed like he hesitated and didn't trust his wide receivers. It's like he got hit a few times and he got rattled. Where where are you at on obviously this team is struggling to score points in the second half, but also to just put uh, these bad teams away. Yeah. And this I- this is not sustainable. And you're you got playoffs are pretty much going to happen just because you're probably going to win the AFC South. Can this team turn it around in these final 12 weeks and put some faith and hope in themselves, but also give the fans faith and hope that they could possibly make a run in the playoffs if they just get in? Um, well, yes, I think Ryan Tannehill has been largely better than he was last year. He's taken better care of the football. I think that's first and foremost. And mm-hmm. for this team, that is really important. Last week, I mean, when you talk about sweat and Allen and pain, it was a tough go. I mean, because but but that was part of it for me is he had to know every time he took a snap to go back to pass, there wasn't going to be a lot of time. And so he had to be prepared to get rid of the ball quickly. One of the things I asked Pat O'Hara about um, when he was available Monday was a quarterback's ability to feel pressure on the edges and then slide up in the pocket, which obviously you can't do if Allen or Payne is collapsing the interior of the pocket as well. But I don't always feel like Tannehill feels that pressure really well. Because there are quarterbacks, and Tannehill's one of them. I think Matt Ryan is another one. Um, I'm sure we can find a few more who, when they get sacked, they're eight-yard sacks and 11-yard sacks and 15-yard sacks. And then there are other quarterbacks who every time you sack them, you get excited, but you see it's only for three yards. Okay, and that's because the ones who get sacked for three yard losses are the ones who feel the pressure and slide up in the pocket and the ones who drop back or try to spin out and buy more time, which works occasionally. You end up losing 18 yards on third and 18 and becomes the fourth and 36. And, and unfortunately, that's what we see some of the time with Ryan a little too often is not feeling the pressure and sliding up in the pocket and retreating too much. Um and, and that's one area that I think, and look, I'm not a quarterback guru. God, I'm just a, I'm a guy. That's it. But, I mean, that's what I've watched for a few years here is they, they get in too many heavy loss situations. And in that game, he needed to be prepared to either slide up in the pocket or get rid of the football and throw it away uh, because a punt wasn't a bad play in that game, but a 10-yard loss was uh, because you were talking about field position. And as for the second half scoring, along those lines, because it will make Tannehill a better player as well is, they've got to be better on first down in the second half. If you go back and you run down their first down plays in the second half, like if they get two yards, that's a good play for them. Because, I mean, they've had negative play or penalty after negative play and penalty on first down in the second half. So, if, you know, as you're doing yourself scout, for the second half or the last 12 games of the season, first down in the second half, what do we have to do to be better on first down? Because that's what sets you up for the rest of the drive. I think Mike Vrabel talked about some of this on Monday, but it's true. You go, you run down the list. They've got to find a way to be better. Defenses know Derrick Henry's coming in the second half, especially with the Titans in the lead. So the Titans, you know, we talk about staying aggressive at halftime. They've got to be prepared to stay aggressive at halftime and come out with play action to open the second half. I, I think that's the only way that they are going to alleviate this mess is by running some quick hitting passing plays on play action. You know, just play action, hit that slant, 
whatever, something, something that gets the ball out of there quickly, something where they're not taking a sack, something where they're not getting dropped for a three-yard loss on first down or whatever. They've got to find productive yards on first down to set themselves up to get drives going because the first downs are killing them. Yeah, I agree. It, it's hard to right now is is to enjoy this a win is a win mentality while also trying to reconcile this is not sustainable mm-hmm. <laughs> long term for this year. I mean, it's just it's it's going to be hard to compete with the Chiefs with the Bills, even though they sometimes they do in the regular season. But when you get in the yeah. playoffs, it's well, gonna you're be hard to compete winning games. Them. You're talking yeah. about competing with the elite teams for the Super Bowl because right. there's a big difference. There's there's a big difference, and it's great, like you said, you're winning games now, and you know you can get better. So that that that's the positive. But do you see that ceiling that gets you to Buffalo and Kansas City? Yeah. It's just a lot of self-scouting has to be done this week while they're in the bye. So let's hope they get it done. We're going to head over to the college world. Can the Vols, the Volunteers, the Big Orange Nation float to the top of the Crimson Tide and beat a Bryce Young-led Alabama team? And if they did, I mean, college football playoffs, right, for for the Volunteers here? They can make the college football playoffs even if they lose this game. I mean, I think if they play well, they'd have to go beat Georgia then. Yeah. But I don't think this game would necessarily eliminate them unless they lost like 49 to 10, like, like Butch Jones did. I think this team is better as a team and certainly better coached um, than, than that team was. Look, I've been here a long time now. To, I moved here in 2003. Um, been covering the SEC since 95. So I've watched a lot of SEC football. Um Tennessee can win this game. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. I can't pick them to win, though. I gotta see it first. I just, I, just, it's 15 years in a row. I, and we, and we see this over and over again, where teams build up and rise up and rise up and you rise up and you go, is this the year? And then it all unravels on you because you know you have a lot of hope in there. There's a lot of hope at Tennessee, and there should be because they're really good. And so. I don't think that this is misguided hope, but this is still Nick Saban and Alabama. And so they're a seven point favorite for a reason. Yeah. I think it's interesting that they're seven points and I feel like it should be a little bit closer because they are at home. Yeah. And what you saw them do to LSU. Now, obviously Alabama's in a different class than LSU, but I mean, this, this, Mm -hmm. this Tennessee team is just, I'm sitting there watching the game, and I'm an Alabama fan, have been my whole life. And I'm sitting there watching this game at a sports bar with all these UT fans. And, you know, they're they're everywhere at the sports bar. They're, they're packed, and they're hooting and hollering. And I'm watching the game. I'm watching them, and I'm thinking, my God, I cannot imagine. I don't know how Alabama's going to pull it <laughs> off. Because and that's the first time I've ever said it. Because you know that Knoxville is going to be going crazy, yeah, and it's going to be the the environment's going to be hostile. But Alabama's seen that before. I know it's just it's something it weird about it this year, and I just I can't <coughs> get over well, it. Look, they're averaging almost fifty points a game. Yeah, and here's the really exciting part: if you're a Tennessee fan, they're getting better every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, Josh Heupel is doing an amazing job. His staff is doing an amazing job. They're better than they were at Pitt. They're better than they were when they beat Florida. I mean, you saw them not finish off Florida, and then they go to LSU, and what do they do? They just totally finish them off. I mean, they grew. They got better. 
Brian Kelly, that's the worst loss Brian Kelly has ever endured. Brian Kelly's a really good coach, and LSU has talent. You know, they're not where they're going to be, but to go there and do that is really, really impressive. Now, it's really impressive, but beating Alabama is different. It's, it's a totally different, different animal. And I'm not saying they can't do it. If the yeah. Vols win, I'm not going to be stunned. But I'm just saying, if you're asking me with my hard-earned money, could I bet on Tennessee? No, can't. I think that's where I'm at, too, is that like even though I, I have this sinking feeling that the Volunteers are going to win, I can't I can't bet bet in their favor. I have I'm not to bet betting either way on that game. No, no, no. I, and really, to be honest with you, that is the best advice is not to bet on that particular game because it's going to be uh, uh, I it's going to be one of the more exciting SEC football games of the year, hopefully in a year filled with already exciting SEC football games. I mean, well, I mean, they could propel the Tennessee to the college playoff because if they win this game and lose to Georgia, they could still go to the college playoff. Right. Um, it could win Hendon Hooker, the Heisman Trophy, potentially. I mean, I mean, if he throws four touchdown passes in this game, I mean, you don't think that he's going to be the story on every college show for the entire weekend? I mean, he will be. There, there's a lot on the line in this one. I mean, and look, if they lose, like I say, it's not all over Tennessee. But if they win, I mean, this is a huge step forward for this whole football organization. And even if they lose by three points or ten points, I agree it doesn't with you. really matter. No, it's a huge step forward. It is, and that puts you on pace to go up against a beatable, flawed Georgia team as well. And there's another opportunity for, for them to yeah. cause an upset. And if they beat that team, they're in the SEC championship more than likely, and they're going to face Alabama again. And it's going to be another – It's it's it only go up for, for UT from here on it. it from here on that – out now gosh i don't know why yep. i'm having a hard time saying that because it's unbelievable it is unbelievable uh speaking of unbelievable the state of mississippi is yeah. on a crazy hot streak right now mm-hmm. you have Ole miss going to auburn and then you have mississippi state versus kentucky can both these teams continue their hot streak i am gonna go on a lim- out on a limb and say yes to both both are walking away with a win this week um all right let's take a look at that Ole Miss schedule, shall we? Yes. It starts with Troy. And last I saw, he was a cowboy who sang songs about 30 years ago. Um, then you got Scotty Pippen led Central Arkansas. Um, and then you got Georgia Tech, which has all but disbanded the program. And then you've got the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, which hasn't been relevant since Tubby Smith was the coach, and that was basketball. Um, and then you've got Kentucky. You beat Kentucky by three points, and you were thinking, this was our proving point. This is the one we're going to hang our hat on. And then Kentucky lost to the Gamecocks. And you went, "Mm, that win's suddenly not looking so good. And then you beat Vanderbilt, who you gave up 28 points to. Look, I like Lane Kiffin as a coach. I think Ole Miss is a good team. This record doesn't make them a great team. I guess that's where I'm getting at. Uh, Can they beat Auburn? Sure. Can they beat LSU? Sure. Um, I don't think they're going to win at Texas A&M. I don't think they're going to beat Alabama, and I don't think they're going to beat Arkansas. Um, so so I think there are some losses looming for them. Yeah, I think they'll definitely beat Auburn pretty handily because, I mean, this Auburn team is probably just so checked out, it feels like. There's so that. much love at Auburn right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you got Mississippi State going up against Kentucky, which I think Mississippi State, 
outside of that loss to LSU, which really probably shouldn't have happened, this is a really, really good football team that mm-hmm. I feel like is not getting enough love nationally and in the SEC. Scoring a lot of points. Yeah. Will watch real Will Rogers is is a must watch TV in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, look, they they, they hung 40 on Arkansas. They hung 42 on Texas AM. Um obviously the LSU loss is disappointing, but they're they're another coach, a team that's well coached and getting better. And I think that's, you know, the exciting thing for them. Uh, you know, you've got Kentucky this week, but Alabama's next week. And so while you like to think that you're not going to overlook the 22nd ranked team in the country, it's Alabama. Okay. And so I think that that's, that's one of the things that you look out for them. But again, Mississippi state has Alabama looming, has Georgia looming. So they've got, they've got some tough games and, you know, they could certainly be sitting on three or even four losses when this thing's over. Cause they got to play the egg bowl at the end of the year either. But if they continue to get better, you know, maybe they're the team to to pull off an upset. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at that. They pulled off the upset against Alabama before in the past, and right now we'll work at Rogers. Alabama in two weeks. Yeah, making it tougher. They do have Georgia in their place. So yeah, maybe and, that's a week that Georgia's right to be had. You know, I'm looking at Will Rogers' stats, and you know, his yards per attempt have gone up. His touchdown rate is is if he stays on this pace, he's looking at 44 plus touchdowns through the air. And then you're looking at, he's going to have less interceptions. I mean, he's having a hell of a junior year and it feels like nobody is talking about real Rogers as much as they should. No, I mean, it's a great name. Number one. Uh, But, but I mean, that touchdown to interception ratio, 22 to three, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's good stuff. That's, that's one pick for every 100 passes he's throwing. Um, which gets it done when you're putting the air up. His oh man, I just looked at this. His season rating is 158.1. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy high. So that that's almost perfect. So that you know that's exciting to see. But again, you you get excited to see that when they play Alabama and when they play Georgia because that's when you find out how good that number really is. Like when Desmond Ritter played Alabama. I mean, Desmond Ritter had a great year last year for Cincinnati, and then when he suddenly faced Bama in the playoff life got so much harder and you started to say, is he a first round pick? Right. Uh, And so Will Rogers is going to have that chance as well. So it'll it'll be fun to watch. The LSU is heading down to the swamp and the Mm -hmm. face Florida Gators this week. Can Brian Kelly or will not can, because obviously he can, but will Mm -hmm. Brian Kelly have his team ready after, after a pretty devastating loss, just last week mm-hmm. ready to go against Anthony Richardson and the Florida Gators. I think we're going to find out what kind of guts this LSU team has um, because knowing what I know about Brian Kelly and number one, I thought Brian Kelly's a really good coach for a long time. All the guys done is win everywhere. He's gone central Michigan, Cincinnati, Notre Dame. I know people here love to hate Notre Dame, but he made Notre Dame. I mean, he had Notre Dame in national relevance each and every year. Okay, they were really good every year. And eventually he will get LSU there. I wasn't sure what kind of a match he was because he's he's an abrasive dude. I mean, he's 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 sandpaper. And if he's the same Brian Kelly that I've watched for years, he's going to challenge those guys this week and challenge them big time because they're going to look at the tape and they're not going to like it. I mean, they got wiped on their home field. And so I think that this game is one of those moments for LSU where we'll see 
how their season turns. Does it unravel on them, or do they get underneath themselves and and play? Because, I mean, look, it's LSU. They got talent. They're not completely devoid. I mean, Ed Orgeron may be a wackadoo, but he he didn't leave the cupboard completely bare of players. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's just a matter of it all coming together. So I'm very interested to see the response in this game. And is there one? Because it's going to tell about the, a lot about the rest of the way this season is going to go for them. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the head coaching battle between Billy Napier and Brian Kelly as well. The the games that they may play, the clock management, the mm-hmm. the, the play calling, the go for it on fourth down, you know, being aggressive. It's going to be really interesting to see how much trust these head these quarterback or head coaches put in their quarterbacks because Anthony Richardson and Jaden Daniels are aren't the best passers to put it lightly, but they can make plays with their legs. So how much faith do they have for these guys these quarterbacks to be able to do something against these defenses that practice against these similar type players so it's not like they're going to go to Jane Daniels and not know okay if we contain Jaden Daniels we can do it this way same thing with LSU and Anthony Richardson it's going to be I think a low scoring game I think it's I think I'd be betting the under on this game yeah, it's it's like you talk about those quarterbacks and trusting them. It's kind of hard to do because right. they haven't done it at the, at the highest level. And I do, I agree. I like the under in this game. I, I like I like both coaches trying to get back to hard hitting, you know, controlling what we can control, and that's the line of scrimmage. And 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 if you're and if you're Florida, seeing if Anthony Richardson can win the game with his athleticism. Probably, um, so that's that's going to be interesting to see because I I don't know that I trust either of these guys to air it out. I just don't. Yeah. Well, that will do it for us. A quick show. It went by quick. And before we go, I have to get some housekeeping done. Hopefully, I don't botch any of these ad reads. With, with two convenient locations in East Nashville and Fifth and Broadway, Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garner is your place to go to get the best cheeseburgers in Nashville. And guess what? If you can't make it in, they're exclusively partnered with Uber Eats. So if your boss is a constant thief of joy in your life and you can't make it out to the beautiful patio at the pharmacy in this great, fantastic Nashville weather, open up the Uber Eats app and get that not worst with sauerkraut delivered right to your office. Don't forget... For any home building or renovations needs, contact the peeps over at our other sponsor, the locally owned Kingston Group. They listen to everything you want and need and put it into action inside your home, making sure everything they do is of the utmost quality and precision. So get to buildkg.com and schedule your consultation today and get started on making your dream home a reality. And finally, don't forget, while the Titans are off this week, the volunteers are not, and whether you're driving to Knoxville or staying at home, Weiss Liquors can help you celebrate a volunteer's win or Weiss Liquors can help you forget a volunteer's loss with their selection of wines, liquor, and beer. Just stop off at Weiss Liquors in East Nashville before you jump on I-40 East and pack up everything you need to put on the perfect Orange Nation tailgate. And if you are and if you are stuck at home with that lame family of yours, get on Uber Eats and get you some alcohol reinforcements for the game. Weiss Liquors and Uber Eats, they drive so you can drink. Corey, thank you for joining us. Tell everybody where they can find you and when to watch you. 
Well, first off, I'm going to offer one last shot of Colt Slander. All right, I like it. If they lose either of their next two games to the Jags or the Titans, I look for Frank Reich to get fired. Let's okay? do it. I, yeah. I, I, I look for that. You can find me on WKRN Sunday through Thursday, 6 and 10, Sports Extra, TN Nation. We appreciate you watching. We know that the time slots aren't always the best, but stay up with us because we think we're worth it. Um, I'm on Twitter at, uh, at Corey Curtis, too. And if you want to follow me on Facebook, I'm WKRN. Corey Curtis. I try to offer as much there as I can, um, including my power rankings each week, which are always controversial. People, people love a good power rankings controversy. <laughs> I've never seen a, a piece of uh, There's information that people just go crazy over. They do. It's just an opportunity to throw slander all over the league. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for Corey Curtis, my name is Zach Lagans. Follow me on Twitter at FWordsPod. This has been a football show. You can follow all the content, all sports content, locally owned sports content at 440 Sports and at BroadwaySportsB.com. For Zach Ly- or for Corey Curtis, I'm Zach Lyons. This has been a football show. <laughs>